our nation has once again been reminded of the hate and animosity directed towards people of color. As the city of Buffalo, New York was hit with a mass shooting incident that left 10 dead. As we search for answers as to why this occurred, we need to understand that racism is not the privy of white supremacists only. Racism is an ideology that centers white people in everything that is looked at as ideal, thereby seeing and treating others with far less consideration that they have full rights to. In today's Beck podcast, we'll look at how the events occurred and discuss ways to get out in front of an issue that we are continually bombarded with in our country. Our focus will be on how the leaders of schools can assist with students and staff trying to find answers and offer solutions as to how they can heal. Hey, Keith, good to see you again. Um, I know I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the shootings that took place this past weekend and specifically the one in uh, Buffalo, New York, where, you know, it's, it's being called a hate crime. And I think at least 10 people died and, and uh, it's really unfortunate. And, and, you know, uh, you and I are about diversity and improving diversity and making access to diversity and helping diverse groups learn about each other and talk to each other. And, and from that point of view, this is certainly a setback. Uh, a couple of things I'd like to talk about today are, um, you know, just kind of your thoughts on, on the whole issue. And then second of all, from a school standpoint, what can we do to help? What, what can schools do? And, and that is not to say that any school or any school administrators is at fault here. I don't believe that. I believe this is unfortunate. It's a terrible, it's a disaster. Condolences out to the families involved. And uh, I, I'm far enough removed from it that I'm ready to think about what can we do to make things better. Sure. You know, I think it's important that people realize that even though it might be a sensitive issue, uh, it's a prevailing thought in our country and the, the way things are right now. And sure, you can you, you can try and avoid the issue, but the issue is going to keep presenting itself. And eventually you have to to uh, you have to address it. Um, and you have to allow kids to express their feelings. You have to allow, admin, uh, excuse me, teachers and uh, and those that are directly affected or even indirectly affected um, to express their thoughts. Um, and sure, it's not something that we want to necessarily build in our curriculum or anything like that. But I, I think I think as as, as uh, these types of things continue to happen, uh, you would be just uh, negligent. As a as a school or as a district um, or as a community to to not talk about it and express it and get get thoughts out there and and find ways to help people cope with uh, something that we are continually faced with. Yeah, that's a pretty good point, and uh, I hadn't I hadn't considered it from that point of view, and I wonder how many principals have. So let me let me just ask a couple more questions. You're sure. you're the principal at your high school, and over the weekend this event happened, 
and Monday mornings coming up in, in your high schools in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this event happened in Buffalo, New York. But I hear you say this is an opportunity to still affect the students in your school, maybe no matter the size of your school, no matter the demographics and the racial diversification, students should be encouraged to express their thoughts about this incident, no matter where they are in the United States. Sure, and, and it's, it's important that, that people understand that when you start talking about you know, very sensitive matters like this, like racism, or white privilege, or, or, or uh, uh, you know, any type of uh, supremacy or supremacy, that, that type of thing. Um, it's going to bring out another side of people. And uh, you might not always want to hear it, but it, it's, it's going to come out and, and you have to allow people the platform to, uh, to be able to discuss those things. Maybe you bring, bring in professors, you bring people that, uh, that uh, are in tune with that type of uh, ideologically, because it, it is an ideology right now in regards to racism. And I think it's, it's important that you, you bring people in that can discuss those things, allow kids to, to share their feelings and, and, uh, and teachers and just find a way that you can, I don't know if you can necessarily bring everyone together, but at least begin the discussions that, that hopefully will allow healing to occur. Well, you know, you're, you're a principal and you've made a commitment to uh, being more culturally responsive and addressing social equity, social justice, and diversity. So that's a commitment, maybe even a goal in your school. School. So talk to me a little bit more about then, since, since, since this is a presence in your school already, and it's an unfortunate incident, how would you set it up? Uh, let's let's um, go back to our situations, but you're in a grade uh, 9 through 12 high school. Mm-hmm. This incident has happened. In the name of advancing your goal of cult, being cultural responsive, how Monday morning, Monday afternoon, how, how would you give your students an opportunity to discuss this this incident? And and what I'm getting at is to put something out to the teachers and have a talk about this. Uh, you know that that may put the teachers in a awkward situation. And what do they do? Put their lessons aside for the whole day in each period. You know, when I when I think about that scenario, then each different maybe that's a little maybe that's going overboard as far as discussing the topic. How would you set it up so that you could be effective in uh, teaching students that day about cultural uh, responsibility? One one of the first things that I would do is start with prayer. Um, I would start with, um, you know, before school even started, um, we were going to have an opportunity to, for kids to come in. We'd come in at the gymnasium, um, if you'd like. Um, you can, we can pray around the flagpole. We can pray in the, on the football field. I think everything needs to start with prayer. I, I got to interrupt you there. One second. Uh, Prayer to God, I suppose. What about the Muslims in your school? Right, right. I understand that. Um, so my, my feeling in regards to that is, is that 
Uh, not that you're trying to force a belief on anyone, but if you don't feel comfortable uh, praying, then you just have a moment of silence. And that moment of silence is just in time of reflection for the families and the communities that have been affected by what has occurred. Um, and out of respect for those that are grieving, just, you know, you don't necessarily have to, to share any prayer or anything if you don't feel comfortable, but it's nothing wrong with, with uh, just standing still and just recognizing the magnitude of what has just happened and allow students, um, teachers, staff members, um, whatever they feel comfortable doing at that particular time. Again, it doesn't have to be 10 minutes. It can just be uh, two minutes. You know, it could be 90 seconds, whatever the case may be, just in honor of those that are that are going through such a, a horrific thing. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be anything staged, but just something that out of respect for those that are grieving. Okay, so that would be the first thing that I would do. I think when you mentioned that moment of silence, that ha I agree with, I, I think that's really a good idea. That's a potential of a really powerful moment to give the kids in your students, uh, your kids in your school an opportunity to, that, that um, you know, if, if you've got a goal of being culturally responsive and improving discussion about diversity, what a powerful opportunity to give your students a moment to think about why this goal is in place and why we think diversity and, and being culturally responsive and social justice and social equity is important. So uh, what, a, what a thoughtful idea, Keith. Uh, what next? How would you prepare the teachers or when would you have give students this opportunity to discuss and, well, and share their feelings? I think immediately after it happened, uh, as, as an administrator, you send an, an email to all your teachers and all your staff, uh, if everyone has access to, to email, and you just explain to them your feeling as an administrator about what has occurred and how you would like them to approach the day as students come in. And, and, and uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to, to build it in your day, but I, I just think it's important that to start the day, that first period that you allow students to share. And you don't necessarily have to take the entire 50 minutes or 45 or however long your, your period is, but you allow students to share their thoughts. And, um, and then after that, then, you know, you just kind of proceed throughout your day. Um, I think it's important that you send a, an, an email uh, or however you correspond to families and communities to let them know what has occurred or what will be occurring that particular day in regards to allowing students to share their thoughts. And, um, you know, that we're, we started with prayer, we started with a moment of silence, we allow students to share their feelings and, and just see what the, the, uh, what the, the, the general climate is in the building um, after all of that has occurred. If you need to continue, you know, you, um, then the next day you, you, you use your second period. Then the, the day after that, you use your third period. You know, you don't always take the first period. Um, but you, again, you allow students to, uh, to share their thoughts. If there's mental health people that can come in and, and, and speak with the kids during lunchtime, 
Um, you allow them to share their thoughts during the lunch period. Um, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and even at the end of the day, if there's still kids that they would like to share, you set up your, your, your media center, you set up your, your, uh, your gymnasium, let, let's say, if there's, if there's nothing going on there, um, you may have, even have a couple classrooms where kids can come in and just talk and, and share because you don't know. You don't know who's, who's directly or indirectly affected by and you don't know where they're going to take that feeling. If they can't express themselves verbally, then they might do something that will harm themselves just as a way of showing that they were hurt and they didn't know what to do with that hurt. So you have to allow students to heal and, uh, and, and grieve in their own way. And, and uh, you know, and then you just approach it from there. Um, you know, there might be something that comes from the superintendent of your school that says, this is how we want to approach it as a district. Um, you listen to that superintendent's mandate, whatever that is, and, uh, and then you make your, your adjustments from there. I kind of want to keep this focused on the incident at hand and, and what happened in Buffalo. And, and so here's my question. And that is, if, if you're in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you're a long ways away from Buffalo, Mm-hmm. Will you have with this? My question is: are, are you discussing more of a local crisis, or are are you saying that uh, because because there were three to five shootings this weekend? Sure. Sure. How do you, how do you um, are, would you are you talking about a, a crisis planning situation, or do you think for each crisis that comes like this across our nation? Uh, we prepare students, we, we have counselors prepared, and and we have a moment of silence. Can you put that into uh, context um, as to what you're saying? Sure. What, what, what I'm saying is, is that racism affects all of us. And it just happened to be in Buffalo. It could have been in Des Moines, Iowa. It could have happened in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It could have happened in Grand Junction, Colorado. Uh, you know, racism is prevalent everywhere. And the and the uh, ideological ideological uh, thought of racism is everywhere. So um, even though kids might not be directly affected, it might not have happened in their particular school in regards to the shooting. Still, kids are going to talk about it with the, with the advent of, of social media. Uh, kids bring all different types of things uh, with them to school and their thoughts. You know, with Facebook, Instagram, and 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 uh, Twitter and and all of these uh, Twitch and all these different types of, of uh, media outlets, um, I think would be foolish to think that that kids don't have an opinion or don't have a thought in regards to something like that that has occurred. Um, and why not get out in front of it as an administrator or get out in front of it as a, as a district and just say, hey, the events that occurred in Buffalo, New York, even though it's, it's 1,500 miles away from us, still directly affect us because uh, that is a community of, of, of everyone has a grandmother and everyone has a has a, a, a person that you would not like to see that type of thing happen. I know it directly affected me when they when they said that uh, the 86 year old woman was the oldest person that got killed. And I immediately thought of my grandmother, who's about to turn 101. Um, she's just walking in a grocery store and she gets killed trying to just get her daily groceries. I mean. If that doesn't affect you, 
uh, as an adult, or that doesn't affect you just as a, a, a human being, a person, then uh, you need to check your, your heartbeat a little bit because it's, uh, it, it, it affects all of us, whether it's here in our city, in our state, or, or in a region, that doesn't matter. To certainly, me. Oh, excuse me, certainly it's a powerful learning opportunity. Um, you know, are all the teachers on Monday morning or Tuesday or whenever you have, decide to have this discussion, are they prepared always to have this discussion with students? Or do you need to, I don't, I don't scripts, script might be a harsh word, but, but as principal, do you need to help them be prepared to have the discussion and to get the competencies, the outcomes you want to get across uh, in sure. this situation? How are you feeling as principal preparing teachers to give up one class uh, or two or whatever you decide one class where you know now the rest of the class are going to get a different lesson tell me about that because and I only mentioned that uh, and, and then I want to get back to the tragedy but uh, how do you prepare teachers to have this discussion with students do you shorten the schedule maybe so the whole schedule isn't affected what do you do you can shorten the schedule that's something that actually I didn't think of but that was a good point but I think you got to give them talking points. I think you have to give them uh, a point of reference where they can start and then just open up the discussion that way. Um, you know, people, people are not uh, still not comfortable, especially white people. They're not, they're, they're still very sensitive about something like racism. It, it, it's, it's too hard to, for them to discuss. And, you know, no one, I shouldn't say no one, but, but, People in general don't want to be labeled as racist. Um, sometimes it's just ignorance, not ignorance as in unsmart, but ignorance as in I'm just not, an, I don't know enough about it to, to have a meaningful discussion. And I think that, that there are times that people want to stay away from touch points like that because they aren't really sure where to go with it or what, what kind of reaction they're going to get, how are they going to be perceived if they bring up that type of discussion. So I that think it's. That's really a powerful point. And so I want to ask you, I want to, I want to get back to this is a, a hate crime. I, you know, I, we may, if we have time today, we'll talk a little bit about the, the mental health aspect of mm -hmm. this hate crime. But is a, is a hate crime where a white individual targets a, a black neighborhood and the specific center of this black neighborhood, the Topps grocery store. Um, how, how personal is that to a black person in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or Los Angeles, California, or uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, or Austin, Texas? Talk a little bit about what that means to the uh, black society. Well, I think it you know, when you start talking about suppression and, and, and not having a forum to be able to express your feelings about uh, something of this nature that we are continually bombarded with um, makes people feel like they don't have a voice. Uh, this is supposed to be the United States of America, land of the free, home of the brave, your, your, your ability to, to be able to express and share your thoughts or something that that uh, that we hold uh, very uh, very sacred, um, and when you feel like your your voice is not being heard, then you act out in ways that probably 
you shouldn't do. Um, you know, when we start talking about, you know, what has occurred in the last couple of years and George Floyd and the Breonna Taylor and those types of things um, in regards to black people being killed, unarmed black people uh, being killed and, 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 and broad daylight and, and, um, and then, then, then the, the, uh, the advent of, of the Black Lives Matter movement and, and, and the things that have, have since been launched um, because of these types of things. Um, you know, people need to be heard and people need to have a forum where they can express themselves without any backlash. Um, and I just think it's important that, that we as educators allow that type of thing to happen um, because now it's becoming a part of our educational process. It, it, and I would, I would even venture to say it's just as important as, or it's becoming just as important as your, your reading, your, your writing, and your arithmetic. I, I, I just think that that needs to be built in to, to your school day. Uh, and I think if, if, if you keep turning a blind eye to it, then these types of things are gonna continue to happen and if people can't express themselves about what is occurring, then you know we're doing a disservice to to so many people that are affected by this. You know, it's it's so complicated, Keith. It's, it's complicated, and I don't I don't know that you have answers. I keep putting you on the spot, and maybe we work together on some of these answers. But oh, I grew fine. up in a I grew up in a town of six hundred people, and uh, we had a an organized. You know, we had um, merged with another town, so. Our schools had, you know, about 600 to 800 kids in them, K through 12, very small schools. And, and still today, the diversity is limited and almost no black people. So I, I hear you. We need people all across the uh, United States who aren't exposed to diversity need to hear the diverse side of this story. Well, how, how do we get that diverse side to people who have no access to diversity? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's important that, that people are comfortable, become comfortable being uncomfortable. What I mean by that is, is that when you see these types of things occurring, even though it's, a, it's sensitive in nature, and even though it's, it's more often than not deemed black versus white, white versus black, understand that, that uh, there's going to be some things that come out. There's going to be some things that are going to be said. And people are going to hurt each other in, the, in the, the, the things that they share, not necessarily directly, but I can't keep this inside of me anymore. I have to let it out. So as a black person, when I'm speaking with a white person, white people, you know, are still so sensitive about the subject that's, that it, they feel is too hard to get meaningful change. And then everyone tries to, to, uh, to erase it by saying, well, the person was mentally ill or, or uh, you know, he had mental issues. Sometimes people just flat out are racist and they, they just, you know, they feel comfortable uh, expressing their racism outwardly. And you can't always just say, well, they were meant, there had to be something mental. Okay, sure, you can say that. And we never really know um, because usually the end result is that particular person is taken out by police. Um, 
and and we never know the whole story. But um, I just think it's important that that uh, you know we have those uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And, well, and in in because we're going to continually be faced with it, so we can't just keep suppressing it by saying it is what it is, and and that person was mentally ill, and and let's just move on. Well, a couple of things. This is this is all scaffolding and piling on, but uh, because you know what I would say is uh, two challenges for our schools right now are uh, diversity, being more culturally responsive, and then along with that, schools also are dealing with the mental illness that's 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 taking place, and and they're unprepared. And un, uh, not completely unprepared, but they, they don't have the resources. They're not funded to support uh, all the mental illness that, that they're addressed, you know, that they're charged with addressing. So th they're almost two distinct topics that, um, uh, you know, that in this in this situation, both are being talked about. Uh, both are being talked about. Uh, because the young man was evaluated for mental illness. And, you know, some people I'm sure are out there saying, you know, considering the the mental illness and the, the times he was questioned by the New York State Police and uh, the manifesto that he wrote and the uh, time that he was called to the school, you know, for saying things that are inappropriate to say. Uh, th those two could have been, and maybe some people say this could have been stopped and and then I hear at least one black person saying but no let's not cast this off uh to mental illness because the guy was researching uh white supremacist websites and was you know and, th and then what do you say was was the research and the access to information he had on the white supremacist websites did that um scaffold on his mental illness or can we excuse his hate due to his mental illness and i i'm not proposing uh any answers to that what i'm trying to do is hear what you're saying is from a black person's point of view it might be wrong to dismiss this case and others to just mental illness that we can serve or should have served well, I mean, you take a look at, at, at the recent, the, the church shooting, the FedEx shooting, um, you know, the Temple shooting uh, in, in Wisconsin and now in Buffalo. And we have to understand how it feels for people in these communities to to see these types of things occurring and then just say, well, they were mentally ill. So they were bound to do something because they were mentally ill. Um, and I'm not saying that we just treat mental illness as a as just a, a part of life. But we also need to understand that that racism and uh, and now white supremacy is woven into the fabric of our of our country right now. And it, it, even though it's a sensitive issue, um, we can't keep saying or we can't have meaningful change unless we discuss it. And we can't keep saying, well, kids, kids don't, you know, white kids can't handle conversations about race. Well, then, then what do we do? You know, you have to have those discussions, just like we have to have discussions about LGBTQ. Uh, we have to have discussions uh, about homelessness, poverty. I mean, there's so many, so many issues 
that that uh, that we have to address. And you know, we we take each issue one by one, and we have to discuss it. And no. sure, there's go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, well, I, there's some things that that come out that you might not know, but but uh, you know, any anytime you have meaningful change or want meaningful change, that starts with meaningful conversations, and you have to put those people uh, in place that that are deemed experts in that field that can kind of give you talking points and guide you along as the discussion continues and uh, and allow people and help people to to see each each side and each view that as it's presented and at least be able to discuss it and then move forward um, the best way that you can one thing that comes out loud and clear in our discussion today and in, in your the talk between you and i today is that students need to be allowed to discuss these issues. And um, the fact that they may be uncomfortable to discuss shouldn't matter. We need to push people into having these discussions a little bit more. And uh, that, that's really an interesting concept because so many of our schools out there don't have diversity. And, and sure. when I when I mentioned that, you mentioned you came back with something like, uh, uh, you know, people need to be, you know, you, you become comfortable by being made uncomfortable, or uh, this can, you know, and and that shouldn't be an issue. Now, I want to I want to point this out, but then I, I want to go on too, and that is, in the in the schools that I was associated with, the person who might have been most uncomfortable with some of these race racism discussions might've been the black people because there were so few of them. And the, and like sure. we talked in our very first episode was, I, I mean, I think that shouldn't matter either, but the few, when, when there's a minority, a clear minority or none at all, uh, that doesn't preclude that we have the discussion. We just support those who might be put on the spot with, you know, capable people of, supporting them. And, you know, I have a couple specific faces in mind through the, my career where there were, there were few or no black kids in the room. And when we had one or a biracial kid, um, that a, a discussion on racism without being prepared would have made that really a very difficult, challenging discussion for that student. So we don't, we don't want to not have the discussion just because somebody's going to be uncomfortable, but when it comes to, you know, uh, singling out uh, a small number of already small number of minority, make sure we we support them, and then start to have these discussions anyway. Now, as we have these discussions, though, and there's few minority in the room and few or no minority advocates. How do you fully impress on white kids? You know, th they might not be uncomfortable. Two questions I have. How do you fully impress on white kids the how important the issue is, significance of the issue when they're so far removed from it? Or number two, as we have these discussions, if there's white supremacists in the room, are we allowing them a forum for reinforcing their beliefs? 
Well, sure, because you never know what, what's going to come out of those conversations. Uh, you know, I think that, that uh, as you open up the discussion again, your talking point is, uh, this is a very sensitive conversation that we're about to have, discussion we're about to have. Um, you will learn a lot about each other, or, or at least those that speak up. And sometimes people don't feel comfortable speaking, but those that do speak have to understand uh, and us as receivers of this information as it comes out have to understand that this is a safe place. And your views might change about me as you hear me speak. And, you know, it's not to say that I don't like you as a person, I don't respect you as a person, but I have a have an opinion, I have a, a, uh, a, a thought that I want to share. And, I, and I, I, I want to feel like I can share my thought. I, the interesting part for me is I went from a school as a principal of 95% black to the following year, a school that was 90% white. And so I've seen both sides. I've heard a lot of different things about black, white, white, black, um, you know, whether it be how they live, how they dress, how they speak, how they eat, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so I've, I've heard it from both sides. You know, but one of the things that I always try to, to, to share with my students and my staff is the information that you share, this is a safe place. And you are not going to feel intimidated by me, our teachers, or our administration, or definitely our students. And if you do, please let us know. But you share what's on your heart. And when you share that information, uh, we'll process it. And sure, our views of you might change, but our respect for you will never change, hopefully. And, and then we proceed in that way. I think, I think um, that's insightful. That the question I have is, because you said things like, maybe I can, maybe your perspective of me will change through our conversation. Sure. What if you or no thoughtful, let's see, the right black person to have this discussion is available for that discussion? Then I have to feel comfortable enough as, as a leader um, to, to uh, and get input from my teachers. You know, maybe maybe put together a a, a panel or a committee, um, and, and even if you don't have have the time to do that, then just feel comfortable enough with yourself that you are going to begin the initial discussions, and and share things like, um, as an administrator, as the principal of this building, I think it's important that we allow students to share their thoughts uh, without any repercussion. Um, please don't. Uh, suppress students' feelings and thoughts, but guide the discussions in a way that is educational, a way that is meaningful. And if you see as a teacher or as an administrator that the conversation is going in, a, in another direction, then the conversation ends at that point. What I mean by another direction is be students become confrontational, staff becomes confrontational, whatever the case may be. Um, because you don't want to lose control of the building um, because you're trying to do what you feel is right. Um, but on, on the flip side, um, if, if things do become confrontational, um, you know, you pull those participants to the side and, 
and you, you know, you talk to them and find out, okay, at what point did you feel like you were being threatened or your speech was being threatened or your existence in this building was being threatened? And then you move, move in that direction. Well, what about the places that doesn't have access or don't have access to black people to be part of the conversation? You know, I, I think that, that, that the majority of, of, of teachers and administrators can at least begin initial discussions. You don't necessarily have to be black to have a conversation about black people. Now, you might not have all the insight. You might not have all of the, obviously you don't have the experience um, of, of coming up in that type of, uh, of environment or type of um, coming up as, as, a, as a person of color, people of color, but you can at least intelligently have discussions uh, about, you know, what has occurred, what we can do to address it, how we can help heal, how, how we can help each other understand what has occurred and, uh, and then move forward. Uh, you know, and if there's, if there's resources that are available, again, there's all different types of, of, of things that, that, uh, that are at our fingertips on the, in, in, uh, on the internet that you can pull things from that, that can help you as an administrator at least lead the discussion um, towards healing. Um, and I, I, I keep referring to that because we have to heal. We can't continue to, uh, to open up this, 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 this wound of, of racism and white supremacy and, 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 and black versus white and, and not allow ourselves time to heal. And mm -hmm. I don't know how long that takes. I don't know how long that takes. Um, but I know that, that uh, for me, that's why I say we open the, the entire thing up with, with a moment of silence and prayer and, and just allow yourself, my feeling is just allow yourself as, as, a, as, a, as a leader of men and leader of, of women to, uh, to be directed and, and uh, in the way that you should go. Well, we've certainly uh, addressed some ideas here and, um, and some challenges too. And it may be one of our biggest challenges is getting some <laughs> white kids the access to meet black people, a black person and interact with them. So they have the opportunity to change how they currently may see real, who are real people with real lives that are very similar to them if you just had the opportunity to interact and learn uh, about uh, that culture. And that's a very good point. Uh, you know, we're in a moral compass right now, moral crossroads, that's a better word, not compass, moral crossroads. And you know, we as 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 a society, um, as as educators, you know, you and I both being being uh, former principals and teachers, and and um, you know, you can you can take this moment and decide that this is my time to to just lash out and and go tit for tat. You kill me before I kill you. You know, we can go that direction with it, or you know, you can try and find some purpose in the pain. And it, right now it's a painful time. 
it's a, it's a, and I don't mean this necessarily the, the Buffalo shooting, but just in our society right now, we're, we're, we're going through a very painful process. And there's so many things that we're hit with, you know, mass shootings and the virus and, 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 uh, you know, and, and people want to be heard and, and, uh, and people feel like they have platforms now that they can stand on and, and they're going to get support from, from, uh, from people like them, you know, people speaking like languages like them. Um, so there's a lot of pain and, but there's a lot of people that want to be heard. And, um, it, it's just important that, that, uh, that we recognize that. And, and again, I keep referring to turn this pain into, into purpose. What, what can we learn from this? What can we get out of this? It's important. What I think we're making progress. And one thing that you've said several times today is uh, people want to be heard. And, uh, you know, so, something that can come out of here, a couple of things. One is some sort of uh, organized effort to provide Black people to talk, a forum, and th that could align with uh, an effort of places that don't have diversity to, you know, provide them with somebody to listen to. So, so we give somebody an opportunity to be heard and people who don't get to listen or interact with, with diversity uh, between the two, maybe we can work together and provide that to happen. Uh, I guess, I guess my point is if you're a principal with a school that has a, goal of improving cultural responsibility um, and diversity, but you don't have any diversity or all the cultures represented, you need to go out and find some. You're, you're, so. You are not giving your students the best opportunity to learn about diversity if they are never exposed to diversity. So your staff needs to get together. You as a principal, you need to be innovative. You need to be creative. You need to email Brian at uh, bcoppus at western.edu, uh, Western Colorado University, and we'll talk about the issue. And, and I will do my best to start setting you up with diversity. I, I've got a diverse friend here who has a lot of other diverse friends. He's been in a, a high school that he made more diverse. He's been in less diverse high schools. Let's start putting together these people who want to increase the diversity and do a better job of getting us together to introduce ourselves and meet each other. Let's, let's develop an opportunity to make that happen for people who want to make it happen for their schools and their kids. You know, I, I, as I sit here and I, and I, and I just think about, you know, the, the, the platform that, that I have had as an administrator, as a coach, uh, as a teacher, um, as a father, um, you know, as a son, as a grandson, you know, I think of, of my, um, I think of my, my grandmother and my grandmother's, uh, and I refer to her a lot. My grandmother's is, is turning 101 years old in August. And she always talks about how things used to be. And, and uh, growing up in, in, in uh, Southern Illinois and, in Kentucky and, and all the things that she's she's seen go through 
her life as she's gone through her life. And uh, it's just, I don't know, so many things that she's had to endure and, and the legacy that she's trying to leave with me as her oldest grandchild uh, and the things that I'm trying to share with, with my sons and their, and their, their kids. Um, you know, you just want to make a difference. And you might not be able to snuff out everything that occurs, but you definitely can leave an impact um, on your family. And they should always know what you stand for. And, and, and now how do I turn that over into being an administrator? You're, you, I don't think there should ever be a time that your staff doesn't know what your thoughts are and your, and your feelings and your beliefs. And, and I'm not saying where your feelings on your sleeve. But I'm saying the way you carry yourself, the way you present yourself, the way you lead your particular school should leave a lasting impact on them. And whether you're there for two years, five years, or whatever the case may be, you know, your legacy will live longer or hopefully will live on as you uh, as you move, either move into another another school, another district, another state. Um, or even if you move into retirement, I would hope that the kids and the teachers that I work with will know that hey, this is what Mr. Edmonds stood for. This is what he believed. This is how I feel he would have reacted to this type of situation that occurred. And at the end of the day, you and I, hopefully we've left a lasting legacy in the schools that we've worked for. And people might not have always agreed with us, but Hopefully they, they respected us and we respected them as well. Strong values and beliefs. A principal, a leader must understand what they value and believe before they can help others understand what they value and believe. And, and we've talked a little bit about this before and that's, you know, your mission. Uh, the principal's values and beliefs might be the most important to have communicated by that mission. But that mission of your school should represent the shared values. When, uh, when everybody's working on their own values and beliefs, then the arrows are all going different directions. But when you've taken time to talk about your shared values and you've taken time to develop those shared values into a mission statement, and that becomes the purpose of your school, now you can start making a progress and having the impact on kids. You know, you know Keith, we got to wrap this up. It's, it's gotten long enough. Uh, if we feel like we haven't uh, covered everything we need to talk to on this topic, uh, we'll, we'll devote another episode to it uh, coming up soon. But uh, really appreciate you putting it out there and uh, uh, need to wrap this one up, but we can come back to it if if that's what we need to do. Sure. I, 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 and I appreciate, you know, you allowing this, this to occur and, and opening up this way and and hopefully our listeners will uh, will weigh in and and share their feelings and and let the, let us know what their thoughts are. Um, I think we're both receptive enough, and we've been in this long enough that that we can we can uh, we can hear as well as listen. And I think it's important that that people understand the difference. I can hear someone saying something and not listen, but I want to listen. And uh, and as, as I tell my players all the time, you listen to learn and you learn to listen. And it's, it's important that, that, uh, that we listen because 
there's a lot of things that are being shared right now that and people need to be heard and and uh, if we give them that opportunity in this forum then you know then so be it what's it going to take to eradicate white supremacy evil wins when good people do nothing it goes without saying that black america's black community would like to see white supremacy go away does it also go without saying that black americans can do little to eliminate the poison that is white supremacy on their own? Does the responsibility rest with good white people who will stand for diversity to reduce racism and the poison that is white supremacy? Until next time, this is Keith and Brian saying thanks for listening to Beck.